Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Feed Me Your Construction Content. I am Carolyn McMahon. And I'm Joshua McMahon. Have a very cool guest on today, don't we, Boo? Very special. Special to us. Yes, it's personal. (laughs) (laughs) William Hendricks. (laughs) No, you are him. (laughs) (laughs) Great to have you on, William. uh, You've been kind of a godsend to us because you helped us uh, see our dream come to fruition with being able to buy land and, and get a construction loan and build our dream home. So we're, we're well, honored to be a part of that. We are too. And, and you know, we wanted to share you with the world. So that's why we <laughs> wanted you on the podcast because we want other people to know where you are because I think, I think it's a gatekeeper. Like, how do I do this? How do I get the land? How do I, how do I get the construction loan? And you fill that void for us. Yeah. So thank you for having me. And yeah, I guess in a way you were a little bit of an, in a niche in, in that. Do it yourself, you know? Yes. And uh, you've got the qualification, you got the experience. Both of y'all can build a house from the ground up with all that you've done. And, you know, when you come under certain construction loan guidelines, they're kind of picky about who you can use. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard if it's self-build. And uh, so, you know, the company I work for, Integrity Home Mortgage, is partnered with, we have a banking partner that um, we can help with the uh, do-it-yourselfers. Like you guys, the DIYs. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> well, and mm-hmm. this was uh, this was interesting for us because we've you know bought and sold several homes, and nothing has felt quite like this. Um, you know, both scary and exciting at the same time. So, I mean, this is just this is a really really big deal for us, and not that we took home ownership for granted in the past. I know others, you know, that, you know that's the American dream, right, to own a home. But to build one personally, I just I can't describe that feeling. So I was very excited. And every benchmark we hit, I was like, babe, we're homeowners. <laughs> and then, babe, we got our construction loan approved last week. So, you know, we're in that process. And now we're just on pins and needles waiting for our closing date. Yeah. Um, you know, Randy is, you know, saying that we're going to get our checking account open for our draws. So it's it's happening. It's mm-hmm. real. Um, and you were a real big part of that. And so we're very thankful for uh, Kevin to hook us up. Yes. And so mm-hmm. we're excited again, working with a smaller bank, see what you can do for us little small builders. And uh, exactly. I think that's that's what's been really special, William, is that it's 735 our time and you're making time for us to do a podcast. Yeah, I know there's some some self value to that as well, but other banks aren't making time like that for their consumers. Like you have always been available to us 24/7 answer crazy questions, talk us off the ledge, whatever it is. And you know, I think that says a lot and that, and that's that's what really gravitated us towards you was being a smaller bank and more hands-on and, and really personable about things. So, can't thank you enough for that. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, I've been in business 22 years and I tell people this all the time. I've worked for seven mortgage companies and four of them are now defunct. And for various reasons, uh, I won't get into. <laughs> but um, the uh, if I such a thing as mortgage heaven, I've died and gone to it, and uh, that's with integrity <laughs> mortgage. And uh, I've really seen, you know, it really is. That's exactly what it's about. You know, the, the, you've got the team, the people I work with, genuinely care about you know who we serve, and uh, you know who we partner with to get deals done. You know, sometimes. 
to, to get something done, sometimes you have to kind of go a little bit outside of just the four walls of your your institution, your firm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why if you can partner with people, it's instead of looking at others as competitors, if you can look at how we can complement one another and when everybody's goal is the same thing to meet the needs of clients, right. it is a win-win situation. What's unique about, you know, getting construction on where you can do your own designs. I mean, obviously you have to hire an architect, engineer, you know, that kind of thing, but, but you get to craft your own house, right? right. And you get to supervise it. You get yep. to coordinate the subs. You get to coordinate who's going to do the HVAC and the plumbing and all that stuff. You don't have to hire someone else to supervise the project as a class A contractor and go through a whole rigmarole of them being approved when you can do it just as good or better, right? Because of your own experience. And um, this has worked very well for also, um, if someone finds themselves in a non-arm's length transaction, now you think about aren't this those things can be confusing sometimes. A good way to think about it is if you're going to put somebody at arm's length, that means don't get any closeness to in my space mm-hmm. because the relationship we have does not allow you to be that much closer to me. Um, a non-arm's length contract, transaction is somebody you potentially would hug or would be in your personal space. And so that's where you have somebody buying from you know, a family member or maybe mom and dad's construction company is the one building the house. Right. And uh, and that that may not be OK, you know, because that's a that's a non arm's length transaction. And then this this kind of this two step process that you guys have been through um, has worked for that uh, for two different realtors who are building homes for their children. And um, there was no issues with that. And then we also have, because I know this podcast goes out to a lot of folks in the industry that are on the home building side. And I did want to bring uh, to the attention of someone who is an employee, a major builder in the Richmond Metro market. This person does not have a contractor's license, but the nature of their job is to manage ordering and delivering supplies to job sites. And we're talking, you know, 100 houses a month being built. Wow. So this person, you know, in a normal, she wanted to build her own house. She has a relationship with the subs. She knows what it takes to build a house from ground up due to the nature of her job. And so her boss, who oversees all of that aspect for this builder, is working with her. And our banking partner, with you mentioned Randy, he's my counterpart there. They had no problem with her supervising her own project. No class A contractors involved. The plan, the specs she got done because she knows where to go with her employer to get that done. And they allowed her to do that. So that, you know, my understanding is this blog does reach that community, if you will, the builders out there sure. that may be wishing they could do uh, something like you've done. They've got the experience. They may not have the license. They may not They may not fit that, you know, that box with a traditional construction to perm loan. And, uh, and this process is opens up the door for for people that are in that that space. That's interesting. I mean, it's it's great to hear that that individual's employer it has become the who for, for her to help her with filling in those blanks that she doesn't know just from a field perspective or which trades to call on. And, and I think that's really what you touched on by saying we really specialize in this part and we bring in a partner who specializes in this part. And we make a great team to, to help benefit the consumer. 
that's what I hear you saying. And, and I love that concept because that's the, the whole who, not how idea. Like, how do I get this thing done versus who do I go to help me get this done? So I come to William. William says, yeah, we can do that. And to make this better, we partner with these people to help with this portion and we help with this portion. But we're, we're there for you 24-7 the whole, the whole way through. And now hearing this, this other builder and this other example, I think it's great. I love that you guys are doing this. I think uh, in some sense, maybe it's a, it's a disruption to the status quo, <laughs> which is which well, not always you, bad. True, especially, you know, with the regulations and uh, the constant change in underwriting guidelines that are out there. And, and frequently they bump into each other. And, you know, sometimes getting a mortgage or mortgage guidelines sometimes means you have to take common sense and throw it out the window. <laughs> you, you, know? you don't have to tell us anything. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, there are some times that I have just, just, I can't believe I'm like, seriously, we have to do this. And, you know, really what it is. And a lot of times people will want to blame the underwriter. You know, it's, it's normal. They get upset with the frontline person, or you just think yes. it's some prudish underwriter that, looking for ways to Mr. Scrooge, how can I turn this down? <laughs> and and really what it is, you know, to some degree, sometimes it depends on how the company is structured. You know, some maybe the like for the larger commercial banks, I mean, the CFPB probably has an office in Wells Fargo's heart headquarters or Bank of America's headquarters. Like they have to provide office space, these big banks, because they are constantly being this oversight because they're bigger, they draw more attention. So naturally, they have to be, they can't think so much outside the box. Maybe they're a little bit constrained. That's not an expert opinion. It's uh, having worked in the banking world, retail banking and gone to mortgage broker world and now correspondent lender. It, the field is there for that. Or maybe a smaller credit union. They're just, they're, they have to stay more in, a, in the confines of, you know, not, I don't want to say push the boundaries on underwriting guidelines, but let's figure out a way to make this work. How can we think outside the box? If we know that we're dealing with, a, a legitimate situation. We're not talking about mortgage fraud here. You know, we know we're not, you're not building a house for somebody else pretending like it's yours. You know, that's a different story. You know, being in a place that can be a little more flexible does help, you know, try to be more creative and uh, come up with some solutions. And, and like you said, like your reverend, sometimes it means you got to partner with some other people. The banking regulations have created it to where you have to stay in this box. You have to be very black and white, and these are the lines, and you don't go outside of this. You don't ask questions. You don't get creative. This is what you do. If it doesn't fit this box, then you move to the next one. That's just the reality of it. So, And I think that's for us. I've had this dream of building my own home for 10-plus years, and I've been a Class A contractor for probably eight years, I think. Maybe 10 years I've been a Class A contractor. But I couldn't get through this barrier for whatever reason it was. Mm -hmm. And I think the big thing is you just you don't know who to reach out to, to to tap into it, because I think there's very few banking institutions that are kind of looking for the creative ways to solve problems mm -hmm. or solve opportunities for us. Yeah, I think that, you know, partnering with a with a more of a community based bank uh, does help with that. Um, they can still do a little bit of that. When I say old school, the good parts of old school, obviously, there are a lot of bad parts of old school lending that, you know, discrimination, whatever that went in the past. Sure. But um, but, you know, the old school lending from the standpoint, let's sit down, have a loan committee. And let, what makes sense? Yeah. If it's common sense, then we, we can compensate. We have compensating factors for this particular guideline. But uh, sometimes what like I, tell, I like to tell people, the tail that wags the dog is the end investor. 
So, you know, those yeah. mortgages, for the most part, are sold in the secondary market, you know, investors buy them. And they got burned in 2009. Yeah. Um, the toxic assets, you know, where bad loans were mixed in with the supposedly good ones. And so now investors are like, okay, you're, we're, you might have a loan package that has 5,000 letters in it. If one of those T's is not crossed, you're not, we're not buying this. But it's, it's heavily discounted. And, you know, over 60%, roughly about 60% of the industry depends on being able to sell those loans to the secondary market and get them off their books. Right. And, um, and so those are the ones that the underwriter typically has to, has to appease. If we we got to make sure it's a sellable loan in the secondary market, but if you construction lending is 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 temporary, so you know with the community bank, you know if it makes sense to them, they'll loan on it, and you know they they earn a little bit of interest for six to twelve months, however long it takes, and then it's done, it's paid for. So yeah. it's not like a loan you have to keep on their books for a long period of time, right? And uh, then you sweep B sweep in, and we just pay off that temporary finance loan with the end loan. Which is the thirty-year fixed, the the veterans loan, the conventional, but whatever it, it ends up being best for you. And we do work backwards, like as you guys experience. We say we want to make sure you're good on the end loan, yeah. So you know what the end loan looks like, <laughs> and you pay. So there's not going to be any pleasant surprises between now and the end of the year. Um, and we'll be ready to go once the house is done. We'll be ready to close on that construction line, pay it off, and you've got your permanent financing. You're in your permanent house. Well, I've got you recorded, William, so we're holding you to that no surprises between now and the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so far, that that's fine. And, you know, so far, we do pad the rate a little bit. And, uh, you know, fortunately, rates seem to be, mortgage rates seem to be going in, in, in our favor here. Even uh -huh. though the Federal Reserve today is May the 3rd, 2023, just for date stamp on this thing. Um, the Federal Reserve did raise the short-term rates again, 4%. And mortgage rates are actually down some. I was pleasantly surprised with uh, some of the folks I was quoting rates today, and uh, they're a little bit lower. So we're moving in the opposite direction of where right. we padded y'all's interest rate on the end loan. Well, we love so hearing that. We're we're just hoping our good credit score doesn't hurt us, and we uh, it costs us another point at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's already been factored in. That's <laughs> I could cover that now, but I don't know if that would be we have the time would permit for that. No, I don't, we're not we're not political. We just dabble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what William, you talk about the 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 selling off of mortgages. When it comes to smaller builders or do-it-yourself builders, how does that impact selling off those type of deals? Does, does that I guess it doesn't make a difference when it comes to the end loan, but anything on the construction loan piece? I know it just goes back since that's uh, not there isn't a uh, the secondary market will not buy construction only loan. They're going to buy the end loan. OK, the reason why, you know, this local bank of a smaller builder could fare better potentially is or you do it yourself or is um, the banks. It's all local decision making. They can be a little bit more um, use common sense because they are not going to sell that on the secondary market. A, a construction line, there is no market to sell construction loans, only the end loans. Okay. So the one time close where you, you do close on the construction piece and the end loan at the same time, you've got a period of time that the construction period happens. It's like a, a it's like things being approved as big fat credit card. And then you just draw the money as you need it. And then when the house is done, it converts to the permanent financing. Uh, those types of loans. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac 
they, they will not allow the, they won't securitize them. They can't be sold in the secondary market until it's until the modification's done. When a modification package gets sent out, it's like this little tiny, you know, closing package and it's got little yellow things that say sign here, sign here. Yeah. <laughs> to convert you to the permanent financing. So the bank or a lender that's closing on that has to hold on to that loan. They cannot sell it on the secondary market until after it closes. Now, what we've been having, and you guys have experienced firsthand the last two or three years, is unprecedented delays that are beyond builder's control. And so what happens is you you close, you can't extend it. You can't. I mean, it's, it's done. Right. Yeah. And so if you need more time and go past the uh, the time it was supposed to be completed, then that erodes the value of that asset. So it, it is a it, they, they can lose a lot of money on right. that. And then um, if it's an FHA or USDA or VA construction loan, Jenny May, who is the securitizer of those loans, they will buy it, but they heavily discount. It. So whenever a loan is closed like that, every single loan is audited on the secondary market by the end investor. And they look for ways to discount it. And so you can imagine on a one-time closed construction loan, there's like double the paperwork, hmm. and double the opportunity to have a loan discounted or not bought or have a problem. That's why the two-step process, which what you guys were going through, where you do a construction loan, you close on that, or, or, you, or you acquire the land because you're not quite ready to get the construction going, land, then pay off the land loan with the construction loan. And then six months later, you get the end loan. So they can be more flexible because they're not, they don't have to worry about securitizing and or selling on the secondary market or, you know, somebody not liking how they dotted the I and crossed the T. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great explanation. What would you say is minimum qualifications for someone to find themselves in this position or this opportunity? Minimum qualifications from a credit score, from mm -hmm. a, an experience, you know? What what are you looking for when somebody reaches out to you? Yeah, minimum score six fifty uh, to be considered uh, for the construction loan. Now the end loan requirements could be lower. Like for example, FHA. I mean, on end loan we can go down to six hundred. Now HUD is uh, minimum score is five eighty to down to three and a half percent. You can they'll go down to five hundred, but you got to put ten percent down. Okay, gotcha. So, um, but you know, it's just who's going to buy a three and a half percent down loan with a five eighty credit score? It, you, you'll be hard, and if you do find them, they're going to charge you out the yin yang for it. Right. So, the minimum qualifications you have the six fifty minimum credit score. They do like to see a debt ratio capture at forty three percent. Again, the end loan you could go up to fifty percent if you're conventional have really good credit. See, so there, there you may qualify for the end loan. But then we also have to keep in mind, okay, how do we make this work for the construction loan? You know, sometimes you might have to pay off a debt or something like that to qualify the construction loan when you didn't necessarily have to with the end loan. Sound you know, familiar? That, yes, I bet it does, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> it's like, are you sure you're not reading the details of our of our loan deal? <laughs> well, well, the irony of of ours is that we had an interest-free loan, $6,000 loan, interest-free over 24 months. And they said... You got to pay that off. It's it's inter it's free money. I I've got the money to pay it mm -hmm. off, but I don't want to give away my money. I want to I want right. to spread it out. I'm like, nope, got to pay it off. It's like, damn it, yeah. <laughs> fine. 
Yeah, so there are some certain things on debt ratios. I know that with enough compensating factors, they'll they'll go higher than 43. I think they may have gone 45 um, for you guys. But, you know, at the same time, you, there's a certain point where you do have to kind of call the push the loan below so far and uh, yeah. maintain, you know, the quality of your loans. Um, so even local banks have a board of directors to answer to. And what kind of business are you doing? And, you know, good banks going to have internal audit controls to make sure that they're doing good business. But uh, yeah, the, the cool thing is that it, it's not a flat no. It's like, let's figure out a way to make this work. Yeah. Um, so as far as minimum, minimum qualifications go too, I mean, this is what I tell anybody. The worst case scenario is going to find out exactly what you need to do to qualify. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Turn on an application. Let us pull your credit report. Let us look at your income and asset documents up front so that you don't have any unpleasant surprises. Mm. And because a mortgage credit inquiry does not hurt your score, you can have as many as you want in a 30-day window, and it's not going to hurt your score because it's, that's the lowest default rates of any other debt. And then think about what you got to go through to get one. Mm. You, you guys have experienced that firsthand, right? Yeah. Even buy a car. If you want a $50,000 car loan, what are they going to ask for? Maybe a pay stub? Maybe. Yeah, it's pretty two easy. Hours is keys. Yeah, two hours is your keys. Bye. Yeah. Right. Mortgage. Ah, uh, you know, thirty days is the industry standard. We've been we've pulled we've known to pull them off within less than two weeks, um, on a normal loan, not a construction loan. But um, don't let that stop you. I mean, you know, you said you had this dream for ten years, and you you just kept plugging away until you finally got what you wanted. And uh, and I think a lot of people out there will self-diagnose and not even try. It's kind of like if you're sick, do you say, I got to get well before I go see the doctor? <laughs> no. You know, how many times do people say, no, nah, I'm not ready to apply yet. I got to work on some things. Well, please don't do it on your own because if you work on something, you might make it worse. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I'm sick. I'm going to Google my symptoms and order my prescriptions from the Canadian pharmacy. And then when I'm feeling better, I'll go see the doctor. Well, you might kill yourself or make it a lot worse, right? That, so, well, I mean, if you're on WebMD, you're probably already dying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's right. There are other websites, right? Just not Google it, right? Right. Do and not GTS think, that. Yes. And then what's the role of the doctor? Come alongside you and come up with a treatment plan. And I, if one doctor told you something you didn't like, go get a second opinion. That's that's the American way. Yes. There, there are many people out there professionals that can guide you and help you with that. And and I wanted to echo what you said. This dream of mine has been for 10 years. And and 10 years ago, my credit score was in the fours, I think. I mean, it was it was embarrassingly bad. And the, the car dealership laughed at me when I co-signed on a, on a loan. Well, it was it was up to, what, five something. And you're like, man, it's improved. Yeah. And she's like, that's not good. And I was like, no, no, that oh, is good. I can't imagine that, Josh. I've seen your credit report. I didn't see anything when there was make that look that ugly. But see, he's a testament that you can recover from I, bad decisions, yeah, bad financial decisions. Been very, yes. very diligent because I knew I needed a higher credit score. I knew I needed money in the bank. I need, you know, I had the path. I just needed to do it. I needed time to be able to do that. So 10 years, five years, three years, it, it's just time, right? But if you put that plan in place and you talk to the right people, and that, and that again is why we've got you on the show, William, is because I want other people to hear this directly from your mouth so they know the path. And then so they reach out to you and say, William, I heard you on the podcast. Help, help me get started. What's next? Right. We talked about this, you know, about actually finding a, a partner who will talk you, you know, off the ledge, like maybe you're not ready today, but 
these are the things that you need. And you know what? I'm going to be with you along the way and exactly. provide some check-ins, things like that. And I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And I mean, you wore me down for a long time too. <laughs> I wouldn't have married you with a shit credit score. So, I mean, there were other factors in play for you to improve your credit. So Good job. Good job. Um, we, we, we have an internal war, you know, anytime we pull credit scores and you, know, you get that letter in the mail and you know, it's your credit score, mm-hmm. right? Mine better than yours. Exactly. Yeah. Every we, time. we open them up together and we're like, okay, what's, what's your Equifax? What's your <laughs> yeah, trans you union? You know, typically I am on top. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot who won. It was <laughs> it was a right, split Carolyn. decision this yeah, time. It was but, a split yeah. decision. <laughs> but, but Carolyn came out yeah. on top by I don't know fifteen points. It, it's not a it's not a big gap. <laughs> yeah, well, you know it's not unusual that you know your DIYers, you know, do it yourselfers. Not only do they want to build their own house, but they want to fix their own financial situation. Yeah. And, oh. uh, and I and I tell people that there's debts you could pay off. They could hurt your score. Mm. I don't tell them what it is because I want them to get engaged. <laughs> yeah. You can't give it away right now. No, because they they need they need us. They need the professionals to guide, trust the professionals, so that you can make the right decisions and maybe shorten that time frame from ten years to five or one year to six months or whatever the situation is. Not only that, you know, as far as paying debts off, they could hurt you. There are things we pull on our end that you don't see on yours. You know, on a consumer credit score, I've seen people that, you know, 780 credit scores and we pull them on the back end and we've got something they didn't see because it's not on the report. That's so there are certain things that the Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian will not report anymore. Wow, that that was great. So we're going to stop this episode here because we're at the 25-minute mark, but we're going to catch up next week with William and drop the second half of this where he's really talking about the hidden features on the credit score that you're not seeing that you might need to know about. Sounds good. See you next week. Take care. Yeah.